Major support for Out to Lunch is provided by the law firm of Jones Walker, established in 1937 with over 375 attorneys in offices throughout the U.S., providing a comprehensive range of services to a local, national, and international client base. JonesWalker.com. And by Three Roll Estate Craft Rum Distillery, crafting premium rum from their own Louisiana sugarcane. Three Roll is cane to glass. From Nola Pizza in the Nola Brewing Tap Room on Chapatula Street in New Orleans, we're out to lunch with Peter Rashidi, Tulane University's A.B. Freeman School of Business professor and director of the award-winning Birkenrode Reports. It's business, New Orleans style. Hi, I'm Peter Rashidi. Welcome to Out to Lunch. On a recent show, I talked about successful exits with the founders of TurboSquid, Level Set, and Lucid. A successful exit is when your business is doing so well that somebody buys it off you. In 2021, the founders of TurboSquid, LevelSet, and Lucid sold their New Orleans companies for $75 million, $500 million, and $1.1 billion, respectively. As impressive as that is, it's not the full story about the successful exits that are happening in the New Orleans tech sector. Today, we're going to take a look at two other companies who made successful exits, and we're going to take a look at the process from both the buyer's side and the seller's side. Let's kick it off by catching up with Daryl Glade. Daryl was on Out to Lunch back in 2019. If you want to check out that conversation, search in your podcast app for Out to Lunch. The episode was called The Camera Doesn't Lie. Daryl's company, Emoto Photo, specialized in taking photos for real estate listings. The quality of photos in real estate listings can make a huge difference, both in finding the right buyer and getting the right price for the seller. I'm not sure what photos Daryl used to execute his own sale, but in 2021, he sold a Moto Photo and an allied company, Rocket Photo, for $7.5 million to a real estate tech company based in Quebec, Canada called Urban Immersive. Now, unlike some other exits, Daryl and just about everybody else have stayed on after the sale. Today, a Moto Photo is bigger than ever and has added all kinds of tech to the services it provides to home buyers and sellers, including real estate listings in the metaverse. Daryl Glade, welcome back to Out to Lunch. Thanks for having me. Since 2015, we've been following the fortunes of a local education technology company called Whetstone. Whetstone is a software platform that improves classroom teaching. It streamlines and standardizes teacher observation and instruction. You only have to meet Whetstone CEO Libby Fisher once to know she's the kind of person who's going somewhere. In fact, today she has gone somewhere. She's gone on her honeymoon. But before she went there, Libby led Whetstone to a successful exit. In 2021, Whetstone was bought by another EdTech company based in Lafayette, Louisiana, called School Mint. Like Daryl's company, just about everybody who was at Whetstone has stayed on at School Mint. Libby has become the chief of staff, and Zach Hallwadell has become Schoolman's vice president of finance operations. Zach, welcome to Out to Lunch. Thank you. Happy to be here. Daryl, it's hard to imagine what the possible downside of your sale to Urban Immersive could be. Your companies, Emoto Photo and Rocket Photo, get to stay exactly the same, even with the same names and logos, and you and your employees get to go to work just the same, and you get access to new cutting edge technology that, among other things, lets real estate agents meet prospective buyers in the 3D space of a house and go on a virtual tour in that metaverse without requiring a headset. That alone is pretty amazing. A quick Google search 
turns up a bunch of other real estate photography companies in the U.S. with names like Home Snappers and Shoot to Sell and Pro Property Shots. What was it that this Canadian company, Urban Immersive, saw in your New Orleans company that differentiated you from everyone else and made them want to buy you? I would say the, the method in which we have built our company. So Emoto Photo is a service company that's heavily reliant and invested in technology. And because of this technology, we can handle thousands and thousands of orders without having to have hundreds of staff. So we're able to do all this with just two or three customer service reps and only a handful of people in marketing. So I think they liked how lean we were and how focused we were on automation and the fact that we were in a lot of states that perhaps a lot of these other companies weren't in, particularly here in the South. And it just seemed, I think, appealing to them that we could also merge their technology very easily into our technology. Daryl, one of the most impressive parts of this acquisition is you were one of their first acquisitions in the U.S. Yes, certainly. We were absolutely their largest acquisition anywhere as well. So the faith that they had in us was quite compelling. Zach, there's a well-known syndrome in the development of startup companies that is sometimes likened to the stages of human development from childhood to adolescence to adulthood. According to this theory, people in young startup companies thrive on the chaos of being understaffed and the energy that comes with everyone having to pitch in and do everything. As the company grows up, roles become more formalized. As the business gets bigger, the risk and responsibilities are greater and things get more serious and less fun. As someone who has been at Whetstone since early on in 2017, you've been a part of this growth from business baby to adulthood. You know your boss is going to hear this, so you can't exactly say that it was all fun and games before and now it's no fun going to work, but can you give us some sense of what it's like to be part of this kind of major transition? How would you characterize the journey? Yeah, I mean, it's a fascinating journey, and I mean, you know, interestingly, at one point when we were at that inflection point where you kind of have to, you know, Libby and I would joke and say it's time to put on our big kid pants sometimes, <laughs> because um, we had a great team, right? And it was a team, we were proud to say, a team of autodidacts. And, you know, our product manager had been an art major and I was a screenwriting major who stumbled into finance and operations and everybody was kind of self-taught in their roles, which is great up until a certain point. And then at that inflection point, which you're discussing, you know, you kind of have to invest in experience, talent, and bring in leaders from the field. And actually, I had told Libby at one point when we were at one of those inflections, not long before we joined the Schoolman family, um, that I don't actually know if I would hire me if we were filling my role now. <laughs> so, I mean, I think it's, yeah, I mean, it's, it's a fascinating journey to watch happen. Now, when they bought you, Daryl, um, you've stayed on. Did they, was there some agreement to stay on for a certain number of years? There actually wasn't. Uh, there, there certainly is an employment contract, but as part of the deal, it was not a requirement for me to stay, though it was in our best interest for the transition to make sure that there was someone who was familiar with the business staying on and helping with the integration. And it, I, I like this challenge. It's an exciting new chapter in my career and dealing with a public company. They're publicly traded out of Canada. Uh, I've only been with startups and small businesses, so it's uh, a whole new set of rules and things for me to learn every day at work. So it's pretty interesting. So I'm glad I'm staying. Now, part of the contract, did you uh, did 
Did you get shares in this publicly traded company? That was part of the deal, yes. Wow, great. So it's certainly in my best interest yes. to make sure that Emoto keeps rocking and rolling. <laughs> <laughs> You're all in, that, that's, a good, that's a good sign. Um, Zach, when you had this um, acquisition, first of all, were employees scared? I mean, they seem to be when a big change comes like that. These, you know, these big corporate publicly traded companies are gonna come in and change everything. Did they feel that way or how did you calm them down? Yeah, I would say, I mean, at that point, so Whetstone was 21 uh, team members when we were acquired. And Schoolman um, is private equity backed, so not publicly traded. Um, and yeah, there is a transitional period. But what was great was, you know, Libby and I and the rest of company leadership, I mean, though we were 21, when I came on, I think I was employee number 10, right? So we had grown a lot. But it was still a really small company. And so everyone had direct access to me, to Libby. Um, we worked a long time on the messaging and, you know, top of mind was, are the employees going to be nervous? You know, we don't want them. The sale happened right around the end of the year. And so you don't want folks going into a brand new calendar year worried about their jobs. I mean, we even kept our office, right? We kept the New Orleans office that we had. It was part of why Schoolman um, was interested in acquiring Whetstone was our presence here in New Orleans. And so we wanted to emphasize life is not going to change, you know? And I, I know in some instances of an acquisition, the more you say it's business as usual, that sends up a red flag. But in our case, it, it truly was. Um, and so, yeah, we worked very hard and uh, concertedly to make sure that the team was comfortable and any questions that they had, you know, as soon as we were able to disclose, uh, we did. And Libby and I took a lot of time out of our day to meet with the team and address any questions that might have come up. Now, Daryl, with the Moto Photo, um, I would assume that you got other offers before this. Um, what made you take this one? I guess fit and, and also the, the entirety of the deal. O over the course of a few years, we certainly did get offers to purchase a moto and the, the financial parts of those contracts were, were perfectly acceptable at those times, but the overall future of the company and what the intent was that the acquirer gave us and just the fit just wasn't there. Uh, and it just wasn't the right time, I guess. There was still more for us to accomplish with Emoto before we exited, and this one came along uh, towards the end of last year, and everything seemed to fit perfectly. So it was something we were interested in. I would say really the, the, the hardest part of accepting this deal was that my co-founder, Chris Haug, he's the CTO of Emoto, and we were being acquired by a tech company. And so unfortunately his day-to-day -day role was no longer required and he did ultimately leave the company. And you know, I, he and I started it together 10 years ago. It was just us and one photographer. And so it was, it's been a particular, that, that's been the dip, most difficult part of it, but luckily it was a fantastic exit. And you know, he, he does have a lot of fantastic prospects as well and he's doing his own thing. But you know, going to work and sharing an office with him every day is no longer no longer the case. So, um, but we, we decided that that still was the right decision to make overall for the future of the company and, and ourselves personally. You know, I was just thinking if you were a publicly traded company back with Emoto, um, you would have shareholders telling you which deal was the best one for them. So this is a. I'm glad you weren't. Yeah. As <laughs> same. Same. We we have no. Ex outside investors, we had no debt with Emoto, so we truly can make the 
right decision or the best decision for us personally. And, and Zach, uh, I would ask you really the same question. This very, very attractive company, very great angle, and others must have asked you to dance as well. How did you, how did you, how did you and Libby figure out what was, what was best? Yeah, we had, we had um, explored a process about a year prior to the conversation with Schoolman. Um, and I think, as I'm sure you experienced as well, Daryl, I mean, there's a inflection point that you come to, right? And you have to kind of make the decision, are we going to exit or are we going to commit to continuing to build this company from a $3 million company to a $5 million company to maybe a $10 million company on our own? Um, and so, you know, we had committed actually to building it on our own. Whetstone was bootstrapped. You know, we were growing based on revenue. Uh, we didn't have previous funding. We were still, our board was our founders, right? So it was a very kind of tightly held company. Um, and we had committed and then Schoolman entered the picture and it was actually, you know, there was great kismet there. Um, but yeah, we were, we were kind of right about to dig in and, you know, let's see if we can do this on our own and, and get to that next stage, get to employee 25 and 30 and 50. Um, so the stars happened to align, but we were actually not actively looking for an exit at the time. You're listening to Out to Lunch. I'm Peter Raschuti. I'm talking with Zach Hallwigel from School Mint. Zach was at the New Orleans startup Whetstone when Lafayette Education Technology Company, School Mint, acquired them. And Daryl Glade from Emoto Photo. Emoto Photo is a New Orleans real estate photography company that Daryl co-founded and sold to a Canadian company, Urban Immersive. Daryl, what is, I mean, the terms thrown around, what is the metaverse in terms of what you're uh, what you're doing. Oh, I have no idea what the real <laughs> definition of the metaverse is, but I could tell you how we sort of uh, okay. refer to it. <laughs> I uh, was looking to you, you know, because I knew nothing. So, uh, I am a non-technical tech founder, which is <laughs> not necessarily better. a good thing. But the way that the way that we sort of refer to the metaverse is that with the technology that we now have at our disposal through Urban Immersive, we do 3D tours, and those existed before other companies, but Urban Immersive built not only their own 3D tour, but their own technology that allows you to use the cameras in your devices, your cell phone, your laptop, or your iPad, and actually communicate and see each other within the 3D space. So I'm sure everyone's picturing maybe Zoom right now where there's tiles of uh, video. Well, what Urban Immersive has done and now Omoto can sell is they've taken those cameras and it's now sort of a circle, but you can actually see where the person is looking within the space. So if, uh, unlike in Zoom where it's just flat all the time, if someone is taking their mouse and manipulating the 3D space and looking, say, at the countertops in the kitchen, the real estate agent or homeowner, who, whoever the client is, who is also in the space, can see the video of the person sort of the, where they're looking now. And using the microphone and seeing where they're going within the space, it's actually a true virtual tour. Uh, that, that, that term has been thrown around a lot. It used to mean just slideshows, and then it meant uh, a single property website, but now single property websites for real estate mean single property website it can all be very confusing but basically what we think a virtual tour within the metaverse is this ui meet 3d product that we have that allows again someone to give a tour and interact with that person 
while they're in the 3D space. And I could ask this to either of you, but I started with Zach. People fear when a company gets bought out and you're now your parent is in Lafayette, um, that money is going to be sucked out of, for instance, New Orleans here. Uh, how do you answer that? Yeah, I mean, for, for us and for Schoolmint, I mean, the tech is a growing sector in Louisiana and New Orleans remains, of course, a desirable destination, especially for people who are leaving other parts of the country and moving here. So we did not have that fear. You know, in fact, we think that being in New Orleans is a great boon to Schoolmint. And if you look at the distribution of our employees around the, com uh, around the state, um, close to half of them are actually located in our New Orleans hub. So, you know, we think it, it's, a, it's a big pro for companies that are looking to fill tech roles to be able to have a space in New Orleans, or at least the opportunity to staff out of New Orleans, even if, if those individuals are working remotely. You know, everybody loves your story. They, they really do. And so when I told them we were having you back, the, at least the company back, that one person described it as a Yelp for students, and somebody else said it was like, rate my professor. What, what do you... Where do you think you are on that? Yeah, uh, probably closer to the rate my professor, although neither of those is exactly accurate. Um, so Whetstone, uh, born and bred here in New Orleans, of course, um, is designed essentially to facilitate providing teachers with observation um, and evaluation so that the classroom experience is improved as a whole. And so, you know, so many, I'm, my girlfriend's a teacher, right? When she gets feedback, so much of it can be a comment in passing in the hallway or a sticky note, you know, on your desk or a typed report. You know, schools and districts have their own rubrics that they... They need to hire this company called Whetstone. <laughs> they <sir>. need Whetstone, <laughs> yeah. So we aggregate all of that. We digitize it. You can use it on, you know, tablets and on your phone, on your laptop. And then, you know, one of the great features, of course, is all the reporting. You can see, hey, when's the last time I've coached the math teacher? When's the last time I popped in on the science teacher's class to observe their teaching and provide feedback, you know, based on those frequencies? So that's really what Whetstone is designed to do. And where we fit into the Schoolmint ecosystem is most of the Schoolmint products are designed to kind of support the student and the family experience. And Whetstone is the one that really kind of shoulders some of the burden of improving the student experience through teacher's performance. Daryl, you know, I've been thinking about what's been going on in real estate in the last three or four years. It's been white hot. And I can't, I've been getting ready for the show and I can't figure out if that's good for you or bad for you. It's bad. Bad, okay, all right. <laughs> and why is that? Well, if people don't need to invest in marketing to sell a house, then they're certainly going to save the money. So if listings are selling sight unseen in 24 hours, then the homeowner or the listing agent's not going to pay us to take photos to market a house that doesn't need the marketing. So that's a, always been a challenge for us when it's, the market gets really, really hot. We like it where it's sort of lukewarm, I would say. Maybe, <laughs> maybe a little hotter than lukewarm, but you want the listings to sell at a reasonable amount of time. 
a month or so, whereby the agents do want to invest in, in marketing. And they're also, you don't want to get too stagnant because then the agents aren't making any money. So they also don't want to spend the money on the investment in marketing. So we, it's a, it's a sort of a fine line where we want to be. <laughs> At least I now know where your sweet spot is. Right, That's right. A, that is great. And of course, you and I have been through a lot of cycles. It won't stay like this. No, no, no. It, and I think that could be another reason why Urban Immersive was interested in Emoto. And we, we've been around for 10 years. We've gone through a few different cycles and uh, our, our revenues stay pretty uh, I don't, not, I, flat is not the right word, but pretty predictable. So in uh, the really good times for us, we can grow substantially, but then also in times right now where the supply is a little lower, we still remain pretty uh, dependable in terms of our expectations for revenue. So we don't, just like New Orleans, we don't go too high and we don't go too low. We're, we're right in the sweet spot. Well, I, um, I will do the best I can. I will raise interest rates, which will slow down. Yes, the perfect. Yes, okay. Thank you. Thank Wanted you. to do that. The, hey, Zach, did they, when they bought you out, was there some agreement for you to stay on a certain number of years or anything like that? Or Libby or either yeah, way? Yeah, I mean, there we had a few, you know, our, our CTO and Libby and myself, a uh, few other team members, you know, the overall expectation was that Whetstone, and for listeners who are Googling us right now, we have rebranded as Grow. So we're now oh. Schoolmate Grow With for anybody. Yep. Okay. Yep. G R O W. So if anybody's looking, that's, that's how you'll find if us. If you're now. playing along at home. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. Um, you know, no, I mean, we were sort of. We were running very effectively. You know, Whetstone was in the black. Uh, we had great returns. And so the expectation and the hope was that our team was going to come in and continue to run now. You know, I, for example, moved out from Whetstone or Grow specifically and adopted more of a company-wide role. Um, but no, I mean, the hope, you know, was that most of our company leaders would remain in place. And then, as has happened, expand and kind of take over stewardship of additional products within the Schoolmint family as well. So we, we wanted everyone to come um, and, you know, we're, we're pleased that the team followed us to Schoolmint. You know, one little last fact I read was that that company, uh, Schoolmint, moved for headquarters from San Francisco to Lafayette and you had 15 openings with 1,300 applications. I mean, that's always the argument against Louisiana. You don't have the talent, but that's clearly not the answer. Yeah, I mean, there is a, a ton of talent here. You know, there there were there was a big push by the state to get us here. We consolidated offices not just in San Francisco, but New York, Miami. I mean, the company relocated in the middle of the pandemic to Lafayette. Um, and there's a lot of great talent here. You know, there are, you know, this might might be too much of an aside, but when I moved to New Orleans eight years ago, I mean, I had been in New York previously, and I won't lie, you know, it was it was hard to find a job. And so what I love about the relocation of School Mentor is that we are offering those opportunities to local talent, which, again, eight years ago was extremely hard to find. I'm just so proud that we were able to lure you here with just pizza. So it's uh, <laughs> way less than the state. It's something... When we talk about local startups being bought by bigger companies, one of the frequent criticisms is that these sales siphon future earnings away from New Orleans and into the coffers of out-of-town owners. That has not happened with the purchase of either 
a moto photo or whetstone. To the contrary, it looks like these successful exits are more success than exit. Nearly everybody is still at both of these companies and rather than siphoning off anything, these companies are both growing, creating more wealth for New Orleans. Daryl and Zachary, thanks for giving us a 360 degree perspective on the journey from startup to successful exit. And thank you for taking the time today to join me on Out to Lunch. Thanks, Peter. Thank you. My guests on Out to Lunch today have been Daryl Glade, president of Emoto Photo, and Zach Hallwoodell, vice president of finance operations at School Mint. We edited this show to fit into the time slot here on WWNO. You can hear our unedited conversation, find out more about Emoto Photo and School Mint by listening to the Out to Lunch podcast. You can find and subscribe to the Out to Lunch podcast on your podcast app and on our website, itsneworleans.com. If you want to know what we all look like, you can find photos from this show on our website, itsneworleans.com, and on our Out to Lunch social media. These photos were taken today by Jill LaFleur. You can find more of Jill's photos at lafleurphoto.com. Out to Lunch is a production of INO Broadcasting for itsneworleans.com and WWNO 89.9 FM. The producer of our show is Grant Morris. Our technical producer is Eric Merle. Our researcher is Maggie Mendel. And today's show was engineered by Blake Longlinay. I'm Peter Raschuti. Thanks for joining me. I look forward to meeting you again next week around the lunch table for more business, New Orleans style, on Out to Lunch. Out to Lunch was recorded live over lunch at the NOLA Brewing Tap Room, 3001 Chapatula Street, open seven days a week. NOLA Brewing Tap Room has a wide variety of craft beers and authentic hand-tossed New York-style city pizza by NOLA Pizza. More information is at nolabrewing.com. Major support for Out to Lunch is provided by the law firm of Jones Walker, established in 1937 with over 375 attorneys in offices throughout the U.S., providing a comprehensive range of services to a local, national, and international client base. JonesWalker.com. And by Three Roll Estate Craft Rum Distillery, crafting premium rum from their own Louisiana sugarcane, Three Roll is cane to glass. And by Basics Swimming Gym and Basics Underneath Fine Lingerie. And by the It's New Orleans Happy Hour podcast. Mitchell Foreman wrote and performs all the music on Out to Lunch. You can hear Mitchell's music anywhere great jazz is sold or streamed and at MitchellForeman.com. 